Hey everybody and welcome to the Fathom and Heavy podcast. My name is Andrew and today my guest is Colby Byrne. He is the drummer in Ailes and the drummer in Amarok and the former drummer in One in the Chamber and a great death rock project called 2084. Um, we started the conversation talking about the misfits and we end the conversation talking about Christian death, but we cover a whole lot of ground in between, including his move from, uh, growing up in Iowa to the Bay area and, uh, you know, what heavy music has meant for him as he's developed as a person and as a musician. Uh, so it is a, it's a great journey and a great conversation. So, um, I'm excited to share this one with you. Um, let's see, not a whole lot of other news. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and, uh, Instagram. I don't do a whole lot on either of those, but it's a good way to stay in touch. And you can also email me at fathomingheavy at gmail.com. Please go to iTunes and write a review. Uh, that always helps. Uh, it helps with visibility and helps kind of bump this up as people search for heavy music podcasts. Uh, also, let your friends know uh, if you like what I'm doing. Um, any little bit of word of mouth like that helps a lot. All right. Uh, hopefully it won't be too long till the next time. But for now, uh, let's do this. had to be in the early 90s. Okay, yeah. Probably like 1990 or 91. Kind of the same time I got into like all the different punk stuff from like the late 70s and 80s, early 80s and stuff. So like I was listening to that, you know, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, all that stuff. Kind of got all into all that all around the same time. You were living in Iowa? Yeah, I grew up in, <clears throat> I was born in Kansas City in Missouri. Lived there for a really short period of time and then... My parents moved to this super small town in Iowa called Lamoni. Okay. It's like on the southern border of Iowa and Missouri. It's a really small town, like a town of like a thousand people. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I don't even know. I feel like the way I got into it was probably yeah. through like skateboarding. Okay. Was that kind of your entrance to heavy music in general? Yeah, I would say like skateboarding and just like going to like record stores or whatever like my dad was into he wasn't really into like heavy music but he was like into like the clash and stuff like that talking heads all those things so he always like was like oh listen to this listen to that you know he was always kind of showing me music and then like say like we would go to des moines or something for like a family trip or whatever go get some food or do do whatever you know and we'd go to a record store and <clears throat> i remember seeing records like venom and like all these you know like Slayer seeing these records and not really like being really intrigued by the art of it. Yeah. And the photographs of the people and stuff in the bands, but never really getting a chance to listen to it until, yeah, like probably the early 90s, maybe the late 80s. I had heard like maybe heard Slayer or something like that, but I was pretty like far away from a lot of stuff living right. in the middle of nowhere. So know? was it kind of the middle of nowhere? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like a total like. Thousand person farm town. Wow, there's a there's a college there. There was like a liberal arts school that my dad was like an admissions person there, and he also was the soccer coach. <clears throat> and so, 
growing up, like I spent a lot of time like up on the college like grounds, just like running around. I would like go to his soccer practices and stuff like that, and maybe like through some college kids or something. Like I don't really fully remember, but I know that there was like definitely times where I was around people that were way older than me, and they were listening to music, and I remember them talking about it and being like, oh, you should check this out. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the ways that I got into, like, Misfits and the early punk stuff. And I would say I kind of got into that and, like, and hip-hop kind of at the same time. And Mm. that's, like, the, like, that was where I also think that, like, from skateboarding. Right. Because I was, like, way interested in skateboarding. was already, like, reading Thrasher magazine and stuff like that. And that had, like, a lot of just different stuff going on in it, you know? And graffiti, there'd be, like, graffiti photos, and I was just always interested in, like, that urban stuff, I guess. Like, lifestyle of, like, skating and punk rock and metal. And and Thrasher kind of, you know, I've heard that from a handful of people, and I can even say that it sort of rolls into my own story because, um, I mean, Thrasher did seem to kind of have, they bridge that gap between punk and hip-hop. Those two totally. forms of music kind of... Totally. Were synonymous with skating, um, but then Thrasher, at least back in the in the eighties, when I would when I would read it on occasion, you know, would have ads for like band shirts, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's like Misfits and The Cure and Alien Sex Fiend and all of these totally. other bands that I didn't know anything about totally. at that point, but later um, kind of discovered mm-hmm. and grew into. Um, but Thrasher was kind of the one that put a lot of the those band names. And the artwork into my head. You know, totally. Pusshead did a lot of stuff for exactly. Thrasher. And then so there was that Danzig yeah. issue of Thrasher. Do you uh-huh. remember that one? Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Dude, I totally remember that one. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like I feel like a lot of the stuff that I ended up getting into, like, in my, like, later teens and early 20s was due to just, like, seeing, like, randomly seeing just, like, some weird art or, like, some weird photograph. Like, I remember seeing, like... Like, what's the Immortal record where it's just them two on the front and it's all white and they're just, like, have their clothes yeah, painted yeah, on yeah, and shit? Yeah. I remember, like, seeing that as, like, a kid and just being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, And probably not listening to it for, like, a long time, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it'd be not being until I was, like, in my 20s to where I was like, oh, you have that record? Like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I never knew what that was or whatever. Like, Because how were you going to listen to it unless you had a friend that had it or unless you could, right. especially for that one, fork over the import. Yeah, right. Exactly. Money it, for it. Exactly, dude. And so, yeah, I think a lot of it was like that. Like, just looking through Thrasher, they would have those ads like what you're talking about, and it would be all different kinds of bands. It wouldn't just be, like, just punk. Obviously, it was a lot of that, Black Flag, stuff like that. Sure, sure. <clears throat> But then there would be, like, stuff like you're saying, like, The Cure and, like, all this, like, Death Rock stuff, like, Alien Sex Fiend and all these things that, like, I had no idea about. I just thought it was, like, cool name and, like, the art was, like, you know, not anything like I had ever seen, you know? Right. Exactly. And it was just really kind of, like, intriguing and stuff, but at the same time, there was not really anyone around to be like, oh, that's this, or, you know, there wasn't the internet or anything like that. So yeah. it was literally, like, someone had to, like, show it to you, basically. Unless you lived, like, in the city or whatever, you know? And I didn't, so... But still, you know, for especially a, a young kid, even if you live in a city, you know, unless you know somebody, um, right. because you don't have the money to go out and experiment with uh-huh. buying Just stuff. Buying records yeah. randomly. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But those visuals were so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember uh, I went into a store when I was probably 14, and I bought a Cramps record. 
and I'm sure I was wearing a Slayer or Metallica shirt or something, and, mm-hmm. and the guy said, have you heard this band? And I said, yeah, and he said, okay, I just didn't know if you thought they were like a thrash band. And I said, no, no, I totally, I know exactly what they are. But, you know, he was he was thinking that because they had that kind of, you know, that horror mm-hmm. Monsters of Film Land Misfits type logo, yeah, right. that I was making some weird connections with them. Uh-huh. Um, right. But there is something that, was, that tied them together to all those other bands, even though sonically mm-hmm. they were completely different. And I mm-hmm. still think about bands like that and the Misfits um, mm-hmm. You know, and the damned and forty five grave and all of that right. kind of from that one era right. when I was getting into all that stuff. They're right. all linked, even though they're, they're all completely different. Totally, I totally feel the same way. It took me a little while to like figure all that out. Yeah, but I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate like all the different stuff I went through and how I learned about it or whatever. You know, so you were getting into that stuff, and you were doing a lot of skating. Yeah, I did a lot of skateboarding and just like. I mean, I don't know, probably, like, a lot of drinking and driving. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I learned how to drive by going at just driving around country roads and drinking with my friends. I'm sure that makes you a better driver now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know, maybe. You're going to drink and drive. That's probably a safe place to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty safe. It was, it was like, nowhere. middle of nowhere. Yeah. Lots of farmland. Obviously, you made it out here at some point. Where did you go after that? So I grew up there, went to high school, graduated high school. I kind of just hated it there. I had, like, started drinking, obviously, smoking some weed, doing stuff like that. And the town was just so small that just everyone knew, you know? Everyone knew. There was no, like, there's no anonymity or whatever. Everyone knew everything. Yeah, everyone knew everything. It was like a soap opera everywhere. And, um, like, throughout high school... I had come out to California to visit a few times because my cousin lived here, and he lived in Chico. So throughout the 90s, I would come out here to California and visit. My cousin's like, we're like the same age, and we kind of just grew up, obviously not around each other all the time, but like grew up at the same time, and we were both into all the same shit. Yeah. So like he was into skateboarding and, and different types of bands and Melvins and all this stuff, and so I would come out here... And he just had better access. Mm. And there was just shows. Like, there was, you know, venues, like, punk venues and all this stuff like that that there just wasn't in where I grew up. And so he was able to, like, have it more of the firsthand thing, like, what you're talking about, where you're, like, like he had people that were, like, oh, you're at this show. Like, you should check this band out. Yeah. And, like, yeah. give him tapes or, you know, whatever. Or he would just hear bands and be, like, oh, this is really cool. And then I would come out and visit, and he would be, like, oh, like, check out this like check out the melvins check out like carp or whatever check out all these other bands you know so that kind of like took me more from the like mainstream heavy music like slayer and all that stuff into more of the underground stuff and so it got me more like understanding that oh there's like bands that like people just don't know about or i just don't know about Mm -hmm. you know because i'm like in this smaller community in the middle of nowhere that doesn't get access to that sure And so it just kind of opened my mind to a lot of stuff. And then that was all at the same time where like I was reading like magazines and stuff, like what you're saying, magazines and like realizing like, oh, you can just like send a sace to these people and they'll like send you a list of bands and all this shit. Yeah. Or they'll send you a bunch of stickers or, you know, 
and you could just write these record labels and different companies and they would just send you like a list of all the records they put out you know a lot of times it was just hit or miss you know i definitely like probably bought records that i was like oh this is like not really what i was expecting right. but you know from hanging out with my cousin it kind of just opened me up to a lot of like just more possibilities of music to find you know and that was kind of also right around the same time i was like starting to play drums and stuff like that yeah so how did how did you actually start playing like after eighth grade i had this band teacher in our school like the school is so small the school is like like the whole high school is like 100 kids maybe <laughs> like I, I could probably have told you every single kid's name at you, one point like you i probably been with could them have, the entire time yeah right? so i like Since i'd grown were. up with these same like 29 kids for yeah. like 18 years or yeah. whatever you know so I'd been like playing in the band in junior high and I was like playing saxophone. I wasn't really mm. fully into it. I'm like really into it now. I'd really like to try to play it again now probably, but So you haven't you haven't? No, I haven't played it since then. And then basically like end of junior high happened. The band teacher was like, "You should maybe like play the drums." And I was like, "What?" Like I never really even like thought about it. And dude, I'm so lucky. Like he was he Basically, it was just, like, he let me b take home the school's drum set over the summer. I just, like, ended up teaching myself, just listening mm. to music. And, like, pretty much it's, like, my parents were really patient. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Because you know, drummers like, need to have understanding parents. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, like, have thought about that for years where I was, like, so lucky to... I'm just, like, so lucky that my parents, like, didn't care that it was loud and sounded terrible. I mean, it sounded like your dad was into... <clears throat> I mean, he was into loud music anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, I mean, they both were, you know. Yeah. They're both, like, you know, they're both born, like, in the mid-50s. So they all experience all the, like, 60s, 50s, late 50s, uh -huh. or through the 60s and 70s rock. So, like, and that's, like, what they were all into, you know. They were, that's really what they, like, grew up with was, okay, like, Led Zeppelin right. and all that stuff, you know. So they weren't so concerned I was raised about on all interests about in any of No, they weren't really concerned. Like, I would say they were probably, like, more, my mom might have been concerned, like, about, like, me listening to, like, gangster rap or oh. some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but, I mean. but, like, you know, I don't know. Other than that, they were, like, really cool with it, you know, yeah. and they were also just really cool with me just pounding on drums, like, all day long, you know? Just set them up in your room or your garage? Or yeah, yeah, basically just set them up, like, in a garage-type space okay. and then would just have headphones that were barely loud enough and just try to play along with it, you know? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I was basically, like, sitting there and I could just recognize the sound of the, you know, the sound of the hi-hat and be like, that's the hi-hat, it's right there. And then just try to replicate it. And then from there, then I just, like, learned how to, like, you know, be ambidextrous and move on my limbs and okay. count. And then I, like, started learning, actually, like, oh, like, you can, like, there's all this stuff to actually learn. It's not just, like, playing along to your favorite songs or whatever. Right. Did you then get into some more formal training? Nope. I took, like, I took, like, one or two, like, drum lessons from this guy who's probably, like, I mean, I don't even know. He's probably, like, some amazing dude. <laughs> But I was just so into, like, Black Flag and Slayer and all this shit that I was just like, I just want to play fast and loud, dude. Yeah. Like, show me how to play fast and loud. And right. he's like, you have to learn these paradiddles. You're going <laughs> to, that's how you're going to, you're going to be able to get there if you do this. And I was just like, this shit is boring, dude. Skip all that stuff. I'm going to skip all that. Yeah. Met other, you know, or not met people. It was, like, people that I grew up with. But, like, people would move to the town. And one of these, there's this kid that moved to the town that's passed away now. 
but he played guitar and he had a flying V. He was like way into Metallica and shit and Pantera, you know, he's into like all this shit. And I was like, so I would just be like, oh, you got to come over, like bring your guitar over and let's like play or whatever. And so we just kind of would jam and he would pretty much just play like all the songs off the Black Album, probably. That was like what he was really into. I was into like that one a little bit, but the earlier stuff Mm -hmm. a lot more. Yeah, of course. But he uh, would come over and we would kind of jam and that's kind of like how I learned how to like play with people more Mm -hmm. as opposed to just listening to music or whatever and then I was just hooked hooked I mean in terms of actually creating something with another person in the moment yeah yeah I mean I would say there's definitely a lot of like there's probably like some tapes I'm sure we've recorded all kinds of weird shit I'm sure you and this guy yeah Yeah. me and this guy and then kind of like at the same time there was like a few other people in my school that I was really good friends with that were also into, like, just creating music and stuff. And, like, they were kind of DJs and they were interested in, like, just DJing music in mm-hmm. general. Like, mm-hmm. not really anything specific. Like, they were interested in hip-hop, but they would also be, like, really into, like, Joy Division and, like, all the 4AD bands mm-hmm. and, like, all this stuff. So, like, I don't even know how all these... These are, like, people I grew up with, like, for <laughs> so long. And then, like, all of a sudden, everyone just knows about all this, like, yeah. pretty... I mean, like... Like, they were getting into some, like, kind of obscure shit for people that I had known for so long, you know? So that's how, so through those DJ dudes, I would be creating all different kinds of music, you know? Like, we were making, like, weird hip-hop-inspired, like, sample, like, sample-based music or whatever with samplers and keyboards and, you know, also, like, getting really into stuff like Skinny Puppy and Front 242 and, like, all this industrial stuff. Same thing with, like, New Order, just all these, like weird different stuff you know that wasn't like heavy music or whatever or at least heavy in the sense of it being heavy metal right exactly yeah like auditorially like right aggressive or whatever yeah because those are all new order maybe not so much but joy division certainly and skinny puppy i mean those are those are bands i think of as as heavy in their own way yeah Yeah. very very dark yeah 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 heavy in tone Uh uh-huh yeah uh, totally atmosphere yeah and so I would end up kind of just fooling around with all these, like, you know, random dudes, random friends of mine, and uh, basically did that for a few years, played in the school band and stuff. So you were playing drums in the band at that point? Yeah, yep, so I was playing drums in the school band, in the concert band, the marching band, and the, like, band that would play, like, during, like, basketball games and shit. Okay. I used used to play basketball, but then the coach kind of, like, I think I, like, got the coach's son to smoke weed or something. Uh, and he was, like, the basketball star. Okay. And so the coach's, the coach, his dad, <laughs> like, hated me. <laughs> and uh, I just, like, quit the basketball team because he would, like, never let me play or whatever. And I was just way more into playing drums anyway. Yeah. And so we would do that, and it would be, like, the, like, the guy that played bass and get that I, So the guy that I was playing with at my house that played guitar, him and this other guy that I would make music with played bass. For the school band. Okay. All those songs would be, like, just, like, weird, like, high school band versions of, like, Sweet Child of Mine uh-huh. shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> fucking just so much weird shit, you know? And, like, I think I, like, got the teacher to, like, get some weird versions of, like, Whip It and, like, some weird Devo songs and okay. shit. Okay, right. And so it was just, like, weird. Something a little more interesting. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. a little more interesting, you know? It wasn't just, like... 
We Will Rock You and yeah. all the, like, same typical fucking shit that you would play, like, for a sports event or whatever. So with playing with those guys, it was fun because we got to do all this different stuff. You know, we got to do on our own. We got to do and make and create things that we really loved. But then we'd also, like, get to play, like, pop songs, essentially, you know, but with horns and all this stuff. And it was, like, all conducted. It was kind of crazy now that I think about it. You think that that um, was important though in terms of your development as a musician to have that sort of that formal I think so band thing yeah I think so because it like it just showed me that people can work together and make a thing out of a big group of people and everyone's like following the same time and things like that showed me a lot about that like time and how to read music and stuff like that okay and did you ever go back and figure out the uh the stuff that that one teacher was telling you you needed to learn before you got to the Slayer and Black Flag stuff? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, I've I've definitely, like, taken some lessons from a few people mm. here and there. It's definitely something that, like, I think about a lot more now. Yeah. Is, like, wanting to take drum lessons because mm. there's, like, I know there's a ton of stuff that I have to learn. I know if I'm, like, feel comfortable playing the drums or whatever, but, like, yeah. I know that there's, like, it's like a lifelong process or whatever. You know, there's always something I'll be able to learn. Right. You know, I don't regret that. I don't regret being like, oh, I just want to play fast and blah, 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 blah. Of course. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, that was where you But were I also the appreciate the fact that, like, now I've learned way more about music and there's a lot of things that I know I can, like, learn from, you know, and like, a lot of people I can learn from. There's a lot of types of music that I like to play that's, like, not heavy or whatever that utilizes a lot more, like, nuance and just different technique when you're not playing fucking hard as hell you know mm-hmm. when it's a lot more like finesse or whatever do you have I and mean, we'll get into we'll get into the bands that you're in and that kind of thing but do you have projects like that that you're also working on yeah i got a, i got a few different projects i'm still trying to come up with like some names for it for them it's not really just one um it's kind of a lot of different stuff like i've made a lot of hip-hop music i've okay. made a lot of like sample based Sample based like beats or whatever. Um, I got a lot of electronic instruments, so I make a lot of like electronic music, okay. a lot of synthesizers and just programmed stuff. Is that kind of stuff you do on your own? Yeah, I do it on my own, but then also I've also like done it with a few different people. Um, I've had a few different projects, like me and a friend of mine, Lockest, that's played in a bunch of bands here in Oakland for a long time. Me and him kind of had these projects where we would just we would just kind of get together and just like improvise for like an hour and just mm-hmm. record the whole thing mm-hmm. and record the drums and a bass guitar or whatever and then just go through it and kind of chop it up find loops and create songs out of like stuff that we created or whatever sure. and then just try to do that and you know that that project was like pretty prolific we had probably like i don't even know like 40 or 50 songs wow maybe more i don't know and then just like stuff on my own kind of the same i mean i kind of go through been making a lot of like a lot of stuff I've been making just recently is like kind of a lot of like it's like pretty industrial stuff. Like I bought a Roland seven oh seven drum machine, so mm-hmm. I've been like using that, do a lot of different effects and just making some like weird industrial stuff. Do a lot of like noise stuff, like drone drone and noise music. Mm-hmm. I just need to like put it out there. I just never really like it's kinda of just all sitting on a hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> I've, like, showed it to people and, like, burned people's CDs and, like, given it to them, and they're always super excited, but I've just never really, like, 
tried to do anything with it. Oh, well, I mean, I would love to hear some of it because a lot of that sounds like it's right up my alley, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I'll send you some for the sure. Industrial stuff and then the, the drone stuff for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and that can be so all immersive and mm-hmm. powerful. Totally, man. It's yeah. it's also like really, I also, it's really therapeutic to me. Yeah. In a, in a sense, I guess, because it's not having to like, like I don't have to necessarily be the backbone of like a five-piece band. Yeah. Yeah, by being the drummer to keep everyone on time or whatever. So doing the like solo stuff is pretty fun, or like, or even if it's not solo, even if it's just with like a few other people doing stuff that's a little more like step programmed as opposed to just everyone trying to like improvise or jam out a song and figure out riffs and write riffs and all these different things, you know. And to have it very strictly regimented, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so. Having it be a little more, yeah, like the process, you know, the pro- I really like, I just like the process of like lots of different stuff, like mm. different types of art, everything, you know, and uh, the process and like recording or creating sound or music is a huge thing to me. And so doing it in all these different ways is always like inspired me or, sure. or being interested in the fact that you can do it in all these different ways or whatever is really inspiring. You don't have to be limited Right. And if you have, you know, I guess just the the technical know-how about how to capture that and then what to do with the equipment. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's kind of like, I kind of like taught myself that too, you know? Like I feel like there's probably a ton of the recordings that I have that are just in the red and they're just like <laughs> gnarly, like way just yeah. almost like not really listenable uh-huh. to like a trained ear or whatever. Right, they're just right. going to be like, you're nuts, dude. Like you're just going to destroy people's speakers. <laughs> And so it's taken me a long time to figure all that stuff out. I actually just got a, a actual like recording interface okay. for like the first time like last year. I've always just done it like not analog, but like through a computer, but through like Audacity or something that's mm-hmm. just like a free right. recording app or whatever. Right. I've always done it through that, but then like lots of cables and making it really lo-fi essentially. Uh-huh. Like, like, I recorded for a long time on just a Tascam Porta Studio 2. Sure. But not even on the tape. I just used it as it's for the pre for the preamps, basically. And it would give it this, like, weird, warm, like, crappy, like, 90s sound. Like, yeah. 90s four-track sound. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff I recorded is, like, kind of like that. Just the process. I probably made it, like, way harder for myself. <laughs> but it was the process. And, right. You know? I mean, right. if you're getting... Right. If you're getting lost in the process, and what I mean by that is kind of losing yourself in it. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. I mean, there's something about that that totally is what it's all about. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree, man. In, I mean, that's like that's sense. what it was for me. It was like yeah. more just being like I have limited amount of resources. This is what I have. I'm gonna make it work. Some of it sounds good. Some of it sounds terrible. But you're exercising that creativity mm-hmm. in your brain. Mm-hmm. Well, when did you? Um, move out to the Bay Area or kind of what what were the steps there? So I graduated high school in Iowa. Yeah. I went to a year of college at the college that was in my hometown. Okay. Pretty much like just blew it off and realized I think the reason I went was just to like hang out with my friends more. I was going to school for art. Okay. Taking a lot of art classes. Something I was always always interested in. Playing music a lot at that time, playing a lot of drums with friends of mine, and in this like kind of punk rock band where we were like 
doing like Stooges covers and we wrote that was like probably the first band where we like wrote our own original stuff. Mm. It was really inspired by stuff like that, Stooges, MC5, things like that. Sure. And then I pretty much dropped out of the college thing and that next summer my cousin and his mom, my aunt and my uncle, they called me and they were like, you should just move out here. You know, you should just move out to California. They were the ones up in Chico. Yeah. So they were up in Chico. And so I moved probably like 98, 98 or 99. I think I moved to Chico. And from there, I was just like seeing all kinds of bands. Like it like literally just like opened my mind to like so much different shit. I was just there in the venues, seeing all these shows, you know, I saw like the fucking champs. I saw like mm-hmm. all kinds of bands that I like, you know, not all heavy stuff, you know, definitely like there was Chico had this really big kind of indie rock sound. So there was a lot of bands like the makeup, just weird kind of art rock bands. A lot of stuff like that would come through there. So I was just seeing a lot of different stuff. The Melvins came through there a few times, mm-hmm. they really bum people out a lot. <laughs> I think I saw them once and they just like, had a like foghorn and a police light going for like 45 minutes. All right. That People hated like, it. Dude. Sounds like something they did. I thought it was great. <laughs> I loved it. And then the next time they came around, people were like, why would we go see those fuckers? We hate them. Like, they just bummed us out and played that damn horn. <laughs> and then that show, they just played like everything you wanted to hear. You just never know. And it was just yeah. amazing. Yeah. And there was like 10 people there or something, you know, it was like mind blowing. They're so hit and miss as far as that goes. You know, you uh-huh. just kind of have to be open to whatever they're going to bring. But I've been bummed <laughs> out by them before, too. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally, man. And so, so yeah, then I was living in Chico. That's how I met, like, all the dudes in Amarok. Okay. I've known all those dudes for a long time, like, almost 20 years, probably longer. Just from going out there and visiting, too. Because before I moved, I had met, like, Brandon from Amarok and, like, okay. Just a few other people that are like just old Chico dudes, punks and skaters and stuff. So you'd go out there, hang out with your cousin, you'd go to shows, you'd meet these guys. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And then, so it just kind of made sense for me to move out to California and be there. Then I was in Chico for maybe, I don't know, maybe like three or four years playing a little music there. Not a whole lot, you know. I was definitely playing some, mostly just with friends, like kind of doing the same thing, like doing covers, like. We didn't ever play any shows, really, but played with, like, a couple of friends, and we would do, like, I think we covered a Born Against song. It's, like, made probably some rudimentary peni or some okay, shit. right. And then uh, played in another band with, Brand- with Brandon from Amarok that was called Razor Death Squad that was, like, a, like, weird, like, it was heavy metal, but it was, like, pretty, like, I don't know. It was definitely, like, horror movie-inspired. Mm. Kind of cheesy. Campy wasn't. The, we never really recorded or did anything. We like played a few shows in Chico or whatever. But did the horror thing ins- like inspire the sound, or was it more just like the lyrical the, the kind of topics? Both. I would say the the sound was a little more just like like me and Brandon. I would say were like the only people in the band that were like actually listened to like heavy music. Like all the other people in the band, and he didn't play. He like played keyboards a little bit then, mm-hmm. and mostly sang. So he wasn't like playing bass or anything yet. I was playing drums, but, like, the guys that were playing bass and guitar, they were, like, not... Like, one of them was, like, a punk dude who was, like, way into probably, like, more pop-punk stuff and more, like, I don't know, like, not, like, some 41 or some shit like that, but, like, more, like, 90s punk rock and 
I get it. It wasn't terrible. You know, it's just not stuff that I was necessarily into. It's not even that I wasn't into it. It's just that I wasn't really listening to it at that time. You know, it's not objectionable. No, not at all. And then the bass player was this like, like a rave DJ. Okay. So it was just like a weird kind of the same thing. It was like a weird melding of all these people. They're like, somehow all knew each other, but it was more just like, Hey, you have a bass guitar. You can play. Hey, you got a guitar. (laughs) You can play. Come on. Let's play this blow heavy metal band. Yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was kind of campy. But um, you weren't in Amarok. No. Y- you're a new addition to Amarok. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, This in the past year. Well, you were living up there, because we'll get back to Amarok, but mm-hmm. you were living up there, and then you made it to the down to the bay at some point. So I came down to the bay in, I moved to Oakland in probably, 2000, probably 2003, and that was because I had made friends with this kid Zach. He was living up in Oak, uh, up in uh, Chico as well. He was into like a lot of monk, pedal, uh, metal and punk stuff, um, a lot of power violence. He's like kind of like show me spaz and mm-hmm. uh, man is the bastard and mm-hmm. dystopia and a lot of shit like that. So I was living in Chico, coming down, seeing shows at Gilman all the time, mm-hmm. El Dopa, like all this shit, you know, seeing all these bands and. Uh, that kid moved down to Oakland and started tattooing. He was like a graffiti kid. He's kind of who I got into graffiti with. Um, so he had moved down to Oakland, and he was living in, like, this warehouse spot. And I was just, like, living up there in Chico. I didn't really have, like, all my friends had kind of moved fucking Portland or wherever. Okay. He moved to Oakland. I had always kind of visited the East Bay and liked it a lot. I mean, like, as a kid, I was always into the A's. I was, oh, like, into all, right. all this, like, Barry gangster rap. So, like, <laughs> Oakland was, like, this, like cool like mecca place to me it was just like something that had all this like mythology to it you know and so i was like fuck it i'll just move down there and it was this warehouse on 41st and adeline the old punks with presence building sure my rent was like 100 bucks a month i had to build my own bedroom (laughs) we had like an indoor skate park it was just this huge communal living it was like a 10,000 square foot warehouse or whatever indoor skate park at the time, like, Burnt Ramen had shut down, so all the shows from Burnt Ramen were just at our house. Okay. So I got to see a lot of cool bands that way. We probably had lived there for maybe, I don't know if it was a year, probably less than a year. And then the building got bought, torn down, oh, everyone okay. got displaced. And, I mean, that's how I met Brian from El Dopa, and then me and him started one in the chamber, like, from that. Okay. From meeting him. So, yeah, like, 2003, 2004... That's when I first moved down here to Oakland. You met Brian, you started one in the chamber. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of happened with that? I don't know. It was kind of crazy. Like, El Dopo was always a really big, like, a really big band to me. I really liked that band ever since I first found out about them. Like I said, my friend Zach moved down to this warehouse. Brian and his girlfriend at the time, Phelan, they lived at the same kind of, like, group of buildings or whatever. I don't know. Me and him met and just kind of, like, hit it off. Like, became, like, really quick friends, you know? Yeah. There was a drum set at the warehouse, and me and him just, like, he set it, we set the drum set up, set his amp up, and we just kind of jammed for, like, three hours one time, and we were both just, like, oh, super excited on each other's, like, you know, style or whatever, and it just worked really easily. So we kind of started writing songs, didn't really have a bass player, we all had to move out, me and him and Phelan got a place in West Oakland. Right around that same time, we found a bass player, this guy Pete, we kind of just started writing these songs that were kind of, like... I guess it's like crust, I guess. 
It's like Logical Nonsense was a big influence, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Logical Nonsense, Today's the Day, mm-hmm. like a lot of real angry shit. Yeah. We wrote a bunch of songs, um, played a shit ton of shows here in Oakland and kind of went on a tour or two. Lasted about maybe, I don't know, like 10 years maybe. Yeah. Went through a few different things. Me and Brian were mainly the same. We were in it the whole time. Went through a couple of different bass players. Our friend Ian played bass for the longest part of it. There's like some random recordings we did that haven't been released that I'm trying to figure out. We did this recording with Billy Anderson that's pretty good that I want to try to put out sometime. But Yeah, that would be a big, yeah. a big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of just... I don't want to say it fell apart. It was more just like it had been around for 10 years. Everyone was kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we were way more... Like, we definitely worked really hard on it. I wouldn't say the music was not first, but, like, I also feel like us living our lives was first. Yeah. It came, like, before the music, maybe. Right. You know, there's a lot of partying, a lot of drugs, a lot of stuff like that, yeah. a lot of drinking. Yeah. I don't think that... That was necessarily the reason why it stopped, but I think that it was also like, a, we need a break. Sounds like maybe it didn't run its course. Yeah, kind of. It's like something that I like to revisit and listen to, and who knows? Maybe we'll play a show sometime. Yeah, I was going to ask, does it feel done, or does it feel just like... I don't like know. It's... Like, there's times where I feel like it's done, mainly just because I'm like in all these other projects and right. just doing so much stuff that I don't really have like time to... like. Right. I mean, I, feel like, I don't feel like I have the time to just like jump back into relearning all that stuff. I feel like if it starts again, I personally would like not want to play all the old stuff. I'd rather just write, write, write all new stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't really have the time for another whole band <laughs> right now. now. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about Ailes a little bit because that is probably the, the highest profile band that you're currently in and <clears throat> the one you've been in for a fairly substantial period of time. So how did you get hooked up with with that crew? Um, Ludicra ended in the way that it did, and there was some time, and then Christy and Lori um, reconnected. And what was your what was your entrance into all of that? Man, Ludicra, Ludicra's amazing band. It's like one of my favorites. And I was gonna ask if like, that was if they were a big deal for you. Yeah. They're amazing. I remember like seeing them at like Hazmat a few times and mm. just like making my hair stand up mm. and it just being like a pretty just amazing experience, you know. So I kind of always seen them. They were like a little bit older than me at the time, and a lot of them didn't. They never. They were. They didn't live in Oakland, so and I didn't go to San Francisco a whole lot, so I yeah. never really like had any personal interaction with all them for a long time until one of my friends was dating Christy. And I would be over there hanging out a bunch, so me and her kind of like became pretty quick friends. Yeah. And um, me and the person, me and my friend she was dating, would always make music, and she would kind of be like, "Oh, like that's really cool," or mm. like, you know, she would always be stoked on things. And me and her kind of always, she had, at that time she was like, she was kind of doing some projects here and there, and uh, me and her kind of always talked about like hanging out and jamming, and it kind of just like you know. It didn't, it took, it took a while, you know, it took a long time. It was probably like three or four years of kind of just talking about it, running into each other and, oh, what's up? Like, we should totally like jam or we should totally hang out or, you know, then one time we just kind of ran into each other and like just solidified it, like come over. I was living at this place in West Oakland that was like a different warehouse spot. I'd been living there for a long time, kind of on my own. And I had a big old space where I could like set my drums up all the time, Mm. set up like 
you know, simple recording equipment and had like a nice PA and all this stuff. And so she just kind of brought over an amp one time and she's like, I got these two riffs or whatever. And kind of started from there and, you know, um, didn't have a name or anything like that. It was just me and her. We didn't even have anyone. We had like no one else, you know? Okay. And then at kind of right around the exact same time that we started it, she had been talking to Lori about wanting to play music again. Okay. I think that she had told Lori like, Hey, I've been, me and this guy, Colby have like played a couple of times. It's like working out pretty cool. I mean, I I think I, I don't really know exactly what their conversation was or whatever, but she was basically like, you should come and hang out, you know? So then Lori came on, came and hung out. Um, that's kind of how me and me and Lori had met before, but that's how we started our like actual more like friendship and uh, getting to know each other. And so we kind of just like hung out a bunch and then we didn't have a bass player. We had Ross sewage come and play a couple times. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that he um, was involved in that at all. So. Yeah. Like at very, very first, like okay. he was like the first person we ever had play bass and he was only there for literally, it was like maybe like a, two practices or like one practice or something like that but he was obviously super busy with all of his you know all of his amazing projects and work and stuff like that so it kind of didn't end up working out and then right around like right after that um i think is when sam joined up and and also eli who was the original bass player Mm -hmm. for ales who was on the record or whatever yeah so we kind of Within maybe like six months or seven months, we had like a five people together that seemed like they were all like going to be pretty committed. And we kind of started writing the music, figuring out all the details and all that stuff. Probably took like a year, maybe a little longer for us to be like really comfortable and ready to play a show or whatever. I mean, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of our plan too. Like we didn't want to... We didn't really want to rush into it and yeah. just, like, rush into playing shows. Like, originally, we weren't even going to play a show until we had a record. But it just got to the point where we were like, <laughs> fuck that. Like, we need to just play. That would have taken a long, long time. And a lot of... Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of people had already known about it. You know, yeah. there was, like, kind of a buzz. There was a lot of people talking about it. Maybe not a lot of people, but there was definitely people that were like, I heard you're playing with Christy, or I heard, you're, mm-hmm. I heard you guys have this, like, crazy band with all these weird, random people that <laughs> seemed like a weird group of people, but... Yeah. We want to hear it, you know, and so then we eventually like booked a show and it seemed like people were pretty excited. Sure. I think they still are. I think they still are. Yeah. Based on what you've kind of described as your background, playing that type of black metal, mm-hmm. sort of for lack of a better term, I'll just call it yeah. that. That seemed like maybe that was a new thing for you. Yeah. And playing playing that style of music was definitely I I hadn't played like that, you know, I'd played more more like hardcore crust stuff, you know. Right. I definitely played fast, but more like D beat style. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't really played just blast beats and like black metal style stuff yet. You know, did you have to work into that, or did it come pretty um, organically for you? I think both. Yeah. Like I had listened to so much stuff like that already, sure. and been like really into like listening to a lot of those bands and a lot of the um, black metal stuff that I had already. You know, I'd always wanted to, like, get into it, yeah. but I just never had been with anyone that played, like, guitar like that. Uh-huh. Most of the people I'd always been playing with were playing, like, more punk DB right. type stuff. But you're listening to those bands, right. and you're listening to the drummers. Yeah, band, totally. So it's not foreign to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
So I'd definitely seen, and I'd seen a bunch of bands play, so I'd also watch drummers right. play it and be like, oh, like, okay, like, that's what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Like, I could see what they're doing now, you know? And so I had felt like I had at least a good grasp to try to, like, start figuring it out, you know? And then uh, just getting the stamina up was like, mm. thing. I still feel like <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, oh, God. You guys are playing so loud. It makes me have to play so hard. Like, I don't know how to do this. And so, uh, yeah, the stamina sometimes is an issue, but, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Or it was, you know. I can definitely do it now. How often do you guys practice? Pretty much practice every week. Okay. Like, once a week. We've been on Thursdays for a while. In Oakland or in the city? In Oakland. Okay. Yeah, at OMC. Okay, all right. We used to practice. At first, we practiced at my house, at my warehouse that okay. I lived at. Okay, right. Right. We practiced there for probably like a couple of years. It was really affordable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's <laughs> and, affordable uh, as it gets. <laughs> you know, and then I just kind of it just got really crowded in my house with all the amps and all the drums and just all the shit. So yeah. I was kind of like, let's just get a practice space. And yeah. one opened up at OMC with our friends Bader Vogu at first. Sure. So we were sharing a room with them, and then I was playing in this like weird like death rock kind of band called 2084 with my friend Brent uh-huh. and he played in some other bands he played in this band FEMA Coffin sure. with some of our other other friends and uh they had a practice space on the second floor at OMC and they were like we're only, it's only one band so you guys should move in and it was cheaper and it was a little smaller room so we moved in there and uh that's where we've been for I don't even know it's probably been like three years now when did Ailes start Oh, because you say three years and I'm actually time's flying. I feel like it's been like five years yeah. now or some shit. I think you're probably about right. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> even, it blows me away. I need to like look at my calendars. It blows me away that it's been that long, but I think it has been. I think it's been like five years. And you've done some touring. Yeah, a small amount. Here and there, it's been like mostly mostly like short stuff. Yeah. I think we would all like Up to and down the coast. And- yeah, we would all like, yeah, yeah, up and down the coast. I think we, we would all like to tour, to be able to tour more, but yeah. I think that everyone's just, you know, all of our lives are really busy. Lives and it's jobs. It's expensive and being in the that. Bay. It's not, like, super easy to take a month off and right. come back to, like, a whole month of bills living here. Yeah. And we're old. <laughs> we're not trying, I mean, I'm the youngest one in the band, and I'm 39. Okay. So, I mean, I'm down to, to tour, but... It's also like a real struggle to come back from being gone for a month sometimes. Yeah. And just being in a van for a month, you know, I don't know. I love it. I think that it's super fun, but it's also like, it's not a vacation. No. Right. You know? It's hard work. You're working pretty much 24 hours a day. Yeah. Even when you're just sitting in the van, it's still work. Right. Even though you're just sitting there. Right. So, I don't know. We would like to tour more. I think we're, you know, we're, we have... We're trying to set up plans to, like, try to do an East Coast thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Probably just fly out there and do, like, a few, you know, maybe a week, a week and a half or something. Also, Europe. We want to go to Europe. Right. Kind of been laying some groundwork to set that up. Kind of feels like that's something that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I kind of just met a couple of people that run some booking agencies out there. So I've okay. been, like, kind of doing a lot of logistical stuff with them, figuring out things like that. And... And we're also in the process of, like, writing a new record right mm-hmm. now. And it's not, you know, we are very patient with it, you know. We want it to be 
there's a lot of melodies and melody melodies off of melodies off of melodies. Right. Which takes a long time to like write on guitar. You right. Know? Right. So even though we practice once a week, it's still a little bit of a slower moving process for us personally. And we've been playing a lot of shows. That's the other thing. It's like yeah, once it you're playing like shows and you're like in the process of doing that, you don't really get the time to like hash out all the stuff that needs to be hashed out for new songs, you know? Because you're practicing the set, basically. Yeah, pretty much. But there are some new, there is some new music that there you're is. playing. Totally. We've been playing a couple of new songs. I don't know if they even have names yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've been I, playing them. Yeah, they, they're really I, fun. I, it's I, like kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say it's in a different direction. I feel like it's, it's still heavy metal, man. I mean, it's still ales. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, mean, I saw you a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And I'll see you in another couple weeks. Oh man, and I know. Yeah, we've been doing a lot. We played um, we played a show in Sacramento with our friends Deathgrave, mm-hmm. and uh, a few a couple other bands. This band Grody. Then we played here, right, where I saw you. And then we played a couple of shows out of town. We played in Arcata and Portland and Seattle. And that right. went over really well. Right. We hadn't played in Portland before, and that was like a really good time. People were pretty excited. Good. Went over really well. Seattle, we played there once for a Northwest Terror Fest. Okay. We played there yeah. a couple yeah. of years ago. Right. And, did um, you play the Highline this past time? We did play yeah. a Highline with, uh, with our good buddies in Un. It fantastic. was a really, really, and I have Nick's as well. They're also also fantastic. It was, a, it was actually a really cool, like family show. You know, like nice. all those people are just all so sweet. And it was awesome. And Dylan's awesome. You know, I awesome. just love. Yeah. I just love all those people up there, and the yeah. scene up there is really, really fun. And everyone has a good time. Good. Well, it sounds like positive things are happening. Yeah, man. And um, totally. And there's something awesome too about. I mean, it's kind of taps into the legacy of Ludicra without just feeling like it's stuck in that, you know? I mean, that's definitely a part of it. Totally. That history can never be separated, but it it feels like it's new and fresh. Uh um, Cool. Yeah, I've actually heard that from a few people, which, you know, I think that that's awesome. I really really like that because I remember seeing Ludacra and I remember having those feelings and being, like, kind of overtaken by it, you know? You know, that was kind of like when the first few shows we played, I remember, like, there being like a few older people that I've been friends with for a really long time through the scene, you know, shows and stuff forever that like after we played, they were just like, man, like I almost like cried or something. <laughs> and they were just like, I don't, it's not like Ludacra, but it is, but it's not. It's like, they're like, it's definitely like taking me back to that, mm-hmm. but in a new way, you in know, a like way. a newer right. way that, right. that everyone was like, seemed to be really excited about. What's it like, you know, being a fan of Ludacra to, you know, be back there behind Christy and Lori. You know, at first I was like, I feel like I would like be practicing and be like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom and like go in the bathroom and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how did I get here? Yeah. Not like starstruck, but just kind of like, wow, this is really cool. I want to like make sure that this works. Right. You know, I want to make, I want to put the time in to make sure that this happens, you know? As good as it can be. And it be as, yeah, as, yeah, as good as it can be and that everyone's like, all on board and in the same boat and wants all the same things and stuff like that. And that, you know, obviously it was going to sound like that a little bit, you know, sure, because of the way Christy plays guitar. And obviously Lori Sue is Lori Sue, you know? Yeah. She's amazing. Amazing. She blows my mind like every time. 
Yeah, likewise. I mean, watching her is, is such an experience. I mean, I can't imagine what it is like for her. We talked about it a little bit, but mm-hmm. just being an audience member and looking at somebody putting themselves out there 110% in the way that she does. Totally. Um, I mean, just the rawness, the vulnerability, and the power all sort of channeled. Uh, it's it's breathtaking to, to, to watch and experience. Dude, I know. Yeah. Like, that's like, some, even like sometimes when I'm playing the drums and I like look up and see her <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, like yeah. she's like going off. Like, yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. to like stop looking at her. <laughs> Like, pay attention to playing the drums. Yeah, yeah. And it just feels like, I don't know, I just, I can't imagine that any of that is calculated. It just feels so organic in the moment. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that that's, like, probably one of the things about playing in ales that is my favorite thing, you know, is the organic feeling of it. I think we all think about that a lot without it even being, like, a spoken thing, Mm -hmm. you know? It's, like, it's definitely about an emotional feel feelings you know depression yeah dark stuff yeah but also the fact that like you're also alive sure you know and as shitty as it is to be alive sometimes it's also pretty amazing and putting all that negativity out there right is i mean feels like that's just um in a, in a weird backwards way a celebration of being alive because exactly. it's like this is all part of it mm-hmm. and this is the part that drives so many people or is you know underneath the surface all the time and it has to be looked at and and acknowledged um totally because it's it's part of the spectrum yeah exactly man the mental health dude the mental health is that's like that's like what i would describe pretty much all of it it's all it's a big thing about mental health a lot of the stuff with the ales is like your brain man yeah figuring it out does everybody contribute to writing in ales, or is it mostly a you know core? Um, I would say everyone. Yeah, everyone. Everyone kind of writes. Everyone kind of writes their own parts. Yeah. You know, I mean, say like Sam or Christy kind of a lot of times will bring like a guitar part, okay, or like right. they'll be like, "Oh, I've been working on these like three different guitar parts, and I don't know if they work together." or or if they're just three different songs or what's going on. We'll kind of all just, you know, hang out at the practice space and um, just kind of all learn one part at a time maybe and try to piece it all together. Everyone kind of writes their own parts, but everyone's also like not like, like it's not like some kind of like, there's not like someone being like, you need to play this way. Right, right. You know, but we're also not, not open to that you know like if someone's like i wrote this riff and this is the drum part that Mm -hmm. i was wanting to hear to it i'm not going to be like oh that's not that's not what i'm playing right 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 i want to play like i want to make the song the best it could be right and if in their mind that's the drum part that they wanted then i'm going to try to play that sure but you're all coming from it sounds like you're all coming from a similar place though Mm -hmm. uh in terms of what the music is meaning for you and doing for you in in terms of the catharsis and mm-hmm. uh, exactly man yeah. totally the catharsis the like the release of that you know right getting it out circling back to Amarok who we touched on a little bit earlier it's similar in terms of it feels like you guys are going deep into the dark stuff you know it, it's slow super heavy super doomy music 
beautiful harmonies, which kind of tap into, I mean, that's sort of the connection I see between those, those sad harmonies between Ailes and Amarok. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but it's really a different type of, of music. I mean, are you expressing the same thing through both, or are you tapping into different parts of yourself? I feel like it's real similar. Yeah. It's like the same kind of. I feel like it's just Ailes just <laughs> slowed down 150% or something, you know? I mean, and, and it's not. Like, a lot of our, I mean, we've, we're writing new songs together now, like, mm-hmm. as, as a group with me and the band now. And it's definitely different. Okay. You know, like, there's, like, we're, like, toying with black metal parts. Okay. You know, it's turning a little more, there's, like, more death doom, like, death metal stuff okay. coming out. You weren't on Devoured. No. The the last record. Uh-uh. Yeah. I just toured with them for it. Okay. And, um, and they knew that their old drummer was going to leave. They- something like that. I, I mean, I don't know this, the whole story. Yeah. I know that they had recorded the record with Sanford Parker. You know, I, like I said, I'd known Brandon and Kenny and them for a really long time. They recorded the record. I know that Translation Loss was kind of like, oh, it's a double LP that's like costing us this much. We want you to tour. You know? Yeah. And I think that when that happened, maybe the drummer was like, I have a family, I have a job, mm. I can't like leave for a month, right. you know? And so he, you know, respectfully de- uh, declined and, and quit or took, you know, took a leave. And that's when Brandon called me. And at that time, I was living up in Nevada City. So okay. I was living in Nevada City and I was commuting every week to have Ailes practice. So I would drive down Wednesdays and have Ailes practice and drive back to Nevada City and that's Thursday morning. what, four or five hour drive? It's not that bad. It's no. like two, two okay. and a half right. maybe. Okay. And so I was doing that and that's when Brandon from Amarok hit me up and was like, hey, like our drummer can't do this. I know you can learn these songs or whatever. I know you can do it. I've wanted you to play in this band for years or whatever. And so I was kind of like, okay, like, let me see if I can figure it all out. And so I did. And then I was, so then I was commuting from Nevada City, (laughs) having Ailes practice Wednesday, waking up Thursday, drive to Chico, have Amarok practice, and then drive to Nevada, back to Nevada City. (laughs) So it was a lot of driving. Yeah. But everyone was stoked, you know, I was pretty committed to all of it. So I learned all those songs off of Devoured. I changed them a little bit. I definitely kind of played them more my my mm-hmm. way, and then went on this month long tour with them okay. all over the U.S. and yeah. we played like I don't know like thirty shows in thirty one days or something. Wow, it was it was probably a little less than that. Now that I think about it, it was maybe we had a, probably a couple of days off. It was a long one. It was fun. Was it? Yeah, it was a good time. Did Learned a lot it? about each other. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Became best friends. <laughs> Best played, played like I think that they would always they were kind of always joking like you've played like more shows with us than any other drummer <laughs> like, <laughs> over the course of thirty one right. days. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I I mean I had seen I saw them in Oakland. I don't know twenty fourteen maybe. I mean I'm thinking five or yeah. six years ago. Uh-huh. And maybe there was. I think maybe I bought us. Amarok Hell Split. Oh, yeah. And then I uh-huh. picked up a few. I was actually looking at those before I came over here. And I just couldn't remember what I had. I have a bunch of splits, maybe two, maybe three. And then Yeah, I think they, because uh, this was the first, Devoured was their first actual that full was length their record. first full length, right. Yeah, everything yeah. else was a split, so. Well, I mean, Devoured is amazing. And um, it is. I, I love that record. It's a great record. It's a hard one. I look forward to um, 
what's coming next? Are you are you feeling like that's a pretty solid spot for you? You're gonna. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We just I actually I actually just went up there this past weekend and played a show with them. Okay. Up in Chico, and um, did that, and then we recorded like a little demo of a couple of new songs that were. Um, I think we have, or we have to send it to translation loss basically. See what they think. See what they think. Yeah. See what they want to do first. And um, we're trying to set it up to record in January. Okay. We're gonna have these two other songs. Probably try to do another. We're gonna try to do another uh, full length with all the new material. Four the or show five we, songs. Yeah, probably like four. Yeah. And then uh, the show we played, we played both of the new songs we've written. They're a little different. It's definitely still like in the doom, super slow. There's a couple of parts that are a little faster though. There's like kind of some black metal parts in there and some tempo changes and I think one of the songs they come back to a riff for the first time. Okay. <laughs> for the first time. Coming back to a riff they wrote. Yeah. And recorded on a split in yeah, right. 2014. Right. <laughs> you know, before we started talk as I was coming over here I'm just thinking about the difference between Ailes and Amarok. And this is before you were talking about all of the different things that you've done on your own, you know, stylistically different things. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if it was, you know, a challenge for you to go between those two bands and those two styles and playing blast beats and as fast as you do with Ailes and then as slowly as you would do in Amarok. But it sounds like you do so many different things that that's probably not going to be a hard transition to make. Yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, the difference is just... Yeah, it's really just the tempo. I really like yeah. feel like it's like just tempo. With Amarok, I definitely it just has more space because mm-hmm. it's so slow mm-hmm. that going from ales, which is so much f- faster, mm-hmm. there's a lot more fills. There's a lot more like the drums are a lot busier. So at first, it was hard, especially covering those songs. You know, especially like learning the songs on Devoured because they're so like. The drumming is kind of just really sparse and like very simple. Right. So like going from playing in ales, which is kind of busy and fast, to like having to like really hold back mm-hmm. and like just really let the like riffs come out and the and the timing, you know, and the and the mood, like setting the mood of it, you know, is huge. That's like the main. I mean, that's like the main part. Yeah. I think. So having to hold back, having to like really like count in my mind the whole time. So that I don't miss the hits and stuff like that. Right. It's gotten like way easier now. Okay. At first, it was definitely kind of like I was kind of like I don't know, like I don't know if I can do this. Like, <laughs> if you can actually keep track of yeah, totally. where you are, where totally. the riffs are, what the next thing coming uh-huh. is going to be, you know. And then just from doing it repetitively yeah. over and over, I obviously learned it, but or learned how to play it better. And then now that we're like writing new stuff, like all those guys are like. Like, we can make it be anything. Okay. You know, they're all like, we can make this part be a fast part. Like, we can have fast parts. We can do whatever, you know. We can we can utilize you as your drummer, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and what you uniquely bring. Right. Yeah. You know, and so they've been adding a lot of different stuff in that, like, I don't think that they would have done, you know. Like, they never did. They never tried uh-huh. any uh-huh. other stuff. It was kind of mostly Funeral Doom style, like, super slow, never really got fast at all, you yeah. know. And... Um, I don't think that that's boring for them, you know, but I think that, I don't know, Doom, I feel like Doom is really hard music to play on the drums. Uh-huh. It's like not, if you don't listen to heavy music, then you're probably, it's going to be kind of hard to make it sound like that, you know, and I'm, 
I, you know, I know that they had people that played drums. You know, like the first drummer was Zeke, who plays in Usnia or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was the original drummer, and he's an amazing drummer. He right. totally understands how to do it. You right. Know? And um, and then they went through a few. You know, I think I'm like I don't even know. I might be like the fifth the fifth drummer okay. or something. Uh-huh. I don't even know. They've gone through a lot of different people. Ranging from people that were into punk and understood it, ranging from to going to people that like don't really like listen to heavy music, mm. you know. I can see how it would be hard if you don't have a background in that. Right. Or if you had never like listened to I don't know, like disembowelment or asunder or any of that <laughs> stuff, right. you know? Anything that's like really slow and just trudging along, you know? If you have no context for it. Yeah, you know, and I think that that was one of the things that once we, like, started playing together, it just, like, clicked. Like, all four of us just were like, oh, man, like, this is, like, this is exactly what we want, you yeah. know? Yeah. And even me, you know, I was also like, oh, like, this is this huge outlet for me because Ailes doesn't really go there, you know? Well, it doesn't sound like you had ever really played anything like that before. Yeah, not really. I mean, in one in the chamber, we would, like... Right. We would play like crazy slow stuff, right? Right, right. But not uh, it would it wouldn't be for like twenty minutes, right? You know, <laughs> it would be for like a couple minutes, and then it would go back into the fast stuff. And so, you know, playing in Amarok, the shortest songs like thirteen minutes mm-hmm. long or something. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know. You know, and the two songs, we, the two new songs are both over 20 minutes. Okay. So they're like really long, you know? You know, I think once we first started and once I like kind of settled into it, they were all just like, like, this is exactly this what we've wanted. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, say. and all of, and me too. Like I said, like, I was like, oh, like this is like something that I want to do. You know, I want to play in a band that's slower. and Right. Right. But add in like my own stuff to it, you know? So you're not needing to... You're not needing to count and pay attention in that way when you play live as much anymore. Do you find yourself just kind of getting lost in it? Oh, and totally. I mean, that was like, yeah, totally. I totally. Yeah. I mean, that was like we. That's like me and Kenny, one of the guitarists. That was like, we're kind of the only dudes that smoke weed in the band. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like almost every time, like, <laughs> especially like on tour, we'd be like, oh, like here it comes, dude. We're gonna go into the vortex. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and okay, it's just yeah. literally like a thing yeah. where like. We start a song and then like 20 minutes later we, it ends and we like look up and we're like, whoa, dude, uh, like how do we even make it here? Like, <laughs> how do we even make it to this point? How do we get through that? You know? What an amazing feeling though. It's awesome. so, so engrossed in what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so loud uh-huh. <laughs> that it's like this just, it's like a just sensory, like a visceral sensory, like overload almost, yeah, you know? I just remember like times when we were like, like we were playing in Miami or some shit, and like, I mean, we tour with like a kind of a ridiculous amount of equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, we tour with two SVTs, so it's like it's really loud, really loud. But there's like times where Brandon will just hit these notes, <laughs> and it's kind of just a ring out part, so the timing doesn't have. I can come in whenever, and they, I kind of just direct it or whatever. But there's times where he hits these notes, and I just have to like sit there and just. <laughs> Whoa! Like, <laughs> like just vibrating. Yeah. You just have to feel yeah. it and just be like, "Wow!" Like, oh, it's awesome. These people are just getting punished. Yeah, yeah. And you are too, though. You're part of it, right? Also. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's just cathartic. Yeah. It's just huge. And I like that. I like being a part of that. You know, yeah, I like, absolutely. I like that it's 
I like that it's that loud, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of it. It is. It's, it's the, kind of part of it, you know? It's the, the, physical, it's the physical aspect yeah, of it, exactly. you know? Yeah. Is that you're like, feels like you're floating or yeah. whatever, you know? I mean, as someone in the audience, those vibrations, you feel those, like, you know, through your body. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, more acutely and the slower music. Totally. Um, just because there is more space, which mm-hmm. is not to say that that you're not feeling it in the super fast stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's something about just that one, I know. you know, that one chord hit and uh-huh. just letting that reverberate. Exactly. That and like, that's like, you know, like that's what, that's where I was saying earlier, like where I got into making like drone music and yeah, all that kind of right, stuff. Right. Like it just ties right in yeah. with like being in Amarok, you know, and, and they're also way into the wall of sound shit, uh-huh. you know? So like they're way into the like kind of crazy harsh noise and mm. weird stuff like that so that also ties in with me in a in a really good way because i love that music as well right. so i can add in all of this like electronic stuff and all these samples and make it even just more like of a like physical thing you know and you understand the effect that that can have on a deep level and you guys are all coming from the same right from the same perspective there. So right. yeah, totally a good fit. Yeah, that's all. Awesome. It feels, dude. That's it. Feels really good to be in that band. I love those dudes. We've been going for I don't know hour twenty or so. So we'll wrap it up before too long. But I definitely want to hit on this. You mentioned that you had a death rock band for a while called Twenty Eighty Four, and that was with Brent uh, Sumisi, mm-hmm. uh, Dino's brother. There's a like a four song demo or EP, four-song recording that you can get on Bandcamp, um, and I've uh-huh. spent some time listening to that, and it's it's fantastic. It's oh, completely you, different from everything else, but yeah, totally. I have a, a deep love of that kind of thing also. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, I, it would be incomplete not to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's not going on anymore. Nope. And that existed just for that one recording. There's a couple of recordings. Okay. There's... So I have met Brent um, through our mutual friend Locus, who actually ended up playing bass on that on the recording okay, I sent you. Right. When I first met Brent, he would like come to one of the chamber shows and he'd be like, "Oh, like this shit is like," he'd be like, "This is the real crust shit" or whatever. He'd be like, "You guys are my favorite" and all this stuff. So me and him also became just really quick friends. Yeah. At that time, he had started this project on his own okay. called Twenty Eighty Four. Um, he was recording a record or a tape with Sal, mm-hmm. uh, Salvador Raya, right. at Ear Hammer, when Sal was working there. And that's, so on the Bandcamp, there's two records. There's one that's called Sign of the Cross, and then there's one, an EP that's called um, Excommunication. Okay. Um, that's the one I've spent some time Yeah, that's with, yeah. the one that we recorded, like, as a band. Okay. So the first one, he wrote and recorded all of it. He played the drums, he wrote and okay. played all the stuff. Right. And then, right at, like, around that time, we were just hanging out a bunch, and, you know, I was hanging out while he was recording that, the, his solo thing. And he was like, I want you to play the drums for this. You know, like, I want to I kind of want to make this a live thing. And I want you to play the drums. So we just kind of, like, started hanging out a bunch. And just, like, we would just hang out all night and just, like, drink wine and smoke joints and, like, talk about how much we love the Beach Boys and, like, <laughs> listen to, like... American Graffiti soundtrack and just like all this like just all this weird music and just talk about 
punk rock and whatever, you know, all this shit. Christian death. We had this huge like thing with Christian death that we loved, at least only theater pain. And that was the one. Yeah. We got to talk about that in a minute. Then. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, we would like kind of would be like, oh, we're going to start this new genre called doom wop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we were just like telling jokes, make, you know, just being jerks pretty much like and I was like learning the songs kind of and I had never like I always liked that music but I hadn't really played that simple mm-hmm. of drumming in a long time so it was like kind of just like a new learning curve for me and so that's and I'd always liked all those bands and I always liked a lot of like the like 50s doo-wop early late 50s early 60s like kind of like R&B and doo-wop stuff mm-hmm. and I like I don't know me and him were just hanging out all the time and we like came to this conclusion that, that all all that stuff was the same because it was all like love songs or whatever uh, even though it was uh. like maybe about wanting to die or <laughs> you know and um sad love songs yeah totally and so we kind of started playing I kind of learned those first few songs from that first record and we got our friend Lockus. we were like trying to find a bass player and we were he's just like one day he's like why don't you guys just ask me to play the bass mm. And he's like our best friend, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were, th- all three of us were just like super best friends. It was like some of the funnest times I had playing music, you know? Like we would, we would practice in the morning. So we would wake up and the first thing, we would wake up and at like 10 a.m. they'd all come over and we'd like drink coffee and like smoke okay. joints yeah. and write songs and hang out and then be done by like noon. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, obviously if any of you guys have ever done that, it's like just a beautiful way to start your day, man. Sure. It's like just playing music playing first, music. you know? Right. With your best friends or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of started playing a few shows. Most of them were like real weird. <laughs> like, like there wasn't that many, like, I feel like there's a lot of bands like kind of doing that now. At this time, maybe like five mm-hmm. or six years ago, there wasn't a whole lot. There was a few, like Alaric was around. Right. There's a few bands doing that. But not a whole lot. So there wasn't, we kind of always got put in like these weird, like shows with like hardcore bands or whatever. And we'd be like the real weird band. People, People would be just like, yeah, they yeah. were just like, you guys are like, I don't even know. So that's when we were kind of like throwing around all these like genre things, like the doom up thing uh-huh. or the psychic drug rock or post crust, all this right. just weird shit. Right, right. <laughs> just right. to like kind of make it even weirder. <laughs> yeah. And, um, trying to describe the sort of indescribable. Or- yeah, and it definitely had like death rock feeling, but it was also like kind of punk still, and like I don't know, it was just different. It kind of had this like weird pop, poppy thing to it. Yeah, like, well, pop sensibility to it almost. And I think that's where, as you're talking about that, because when you're talking about the Beach Boys and that kind of stuff, and then the old R and B stuff, um, I was thinking, well, that this doesn't sound like that at all. But then the more you're talking about it, the more I'm thinking back and realizing that, well, I mean, a lot of those songs were actually really catchy. Uh, you know, those yeah. four songs right. That, right. That, that I've heard. Right. And I mean, there definitely is that. There is that pop element to it. I mm-hmm. mean, it it's in sort of death rock um, casing, but right. that's all that's all in there. And a lot of, I mean, death rock was heavily rooted in punk, which, you know, and there was right. a lot of catchiness in that too. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And so we started playing a bunch of shows, wrote those new songs. 
made this weird video. I should. I gotta send oh, you this video. Oh, I haven't seen that. Right. So he made this video for uh, the uh, Saturday Bells song. Okay, right. It's all out in the cemetery and shit. Okay. It's all like <laughs> totally just campy and cheesy, but it's pretty good. I mean, we were we were also like getting way into a lot of just like a lot of like esoteric shit, you know, like a lot of like reading a lot of like Manly P. Hall, probably like a lot of Crowley, just mm-hmm. like a lot of like fucking weird shit. Spiritual stuff. Spiritual stuff. Just like... Esoteric spiritual Esoteric stuff. spiritual things. Getting into magic. Yeah. You know, um... I feel like when... I feel like we would, like... Like, those songs were, like, our magic. Or, like, mm. incantation almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Mm-hmm. Not in the, like, cheesy way. In the, like, you know, legitimate way, in a sense, I guess. You sure. Know? But also kind of cheesy because we were also, like, telling jokes a lot of the time, too. So, like... You were having a good time. We were having a good time, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it was really fun. And we played a few, like, pretty really awesome shows. We got to play with The Mob, which was really cool. And then it just kind of, like... It just kind of ended. Yeah. You know? And Brent disappeared. And okay. It was, like, this crazy... I don't even know, man. It was weird. It was like premeditated almost. He even called the record excommunication, and he just kind of excommunicated himself from everyone. It's been a couple of years, right? Yeah, yep. It's been, yeah, it's been like two and a half, three years. Okay, right. And I haven't seen him. I haven't mm. heard from him. I don't even know anything. I okay. hope he's okay. I, I love you, too. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was an interesting, just a little piece of your story that I wanted to touch on. And we just got to talk about Christian Death for a minute. Dude. Because, I mean, only Always. theater of pain. The first three records... Um, I totally agree. Are untouchable. I totally in, agree, man. In my mind. And uh, and the next couple without Roz were okay, too. I mean, I mean, Winky's Pictures, uh, Atrocities, Sex and Justice, Jesus Christ. Those, those are decent records, but it's those first three. But that mm-hmm. first one. Dude, um, it's untouchable. It's so Untouchable. The, just the production. The, like, all of it is like. All of it. The production on it is so. It's like perfectly gross. Yeah, his vocals, Rick's guitar playing. It's un dude. It's untouchable. It's so good. The way that he just his textures. Um, I mean, he'll go from playing power chords to just it's all like of this single weird string. tapping stuff. It's so it's, cool. It's so great it's so and cool. it's so eerie. And you hear him do a little of that, like on his solo stuff or like mm-hmm. with the adolescence. But it just this just right. was full-on in-your-face. Um, mm-hmm. It was so imaginative. Dude. And it, looking at that record, thinking about how young those guys were. I mean, Roz was like <laughs> 17 or something. Um, I mean, it's a masterpiece. I know. It's I know. absolute masterpiece. And like the lyrics, you know, they're amazing. It's just so good, man. Yeah. All of it, are, there's the whole thing all around. It's like really amazing. And there wasn't really anything that sounded like that. Yeah. Huh? And there were the other bands from that scene... Like bands like Forty Five Grave, right. who were amazing, also, mm-hmm. but nothing quite matched uh-uh. the majesty of Only Theater. Dude, Bay. I totally agree. <laughs> so good, and it, I listen to it all the time. Dude. Me too. Oh yeah. Like I, like when I DJ, I play it like every single time. Yeah. Like every Sunday when I DJ, I always play something off of it. You have to. And usually there's people that are like really weirded out, and then mm. there's also people that are really stoked. Because it's their favorite record. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, every time, they're like, oh, my God, really? You yeah. just made my day. You know, you played only Theater Pain. The whole side, even. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but you like those next few records, too? 
Yeah, I like them. You know, I've mainly, I listen to them a lot more in the last few years. Okay. You know, I kind of was like, I got into Christian death, kinda, like, randomly. Like, I already knew about adolescence and, and all, and, you know, the other Rick Agnew stuff. Like, when I first moved to Chico, I was at this record store called Melody Records. Don't go there. Don't go to Melody Records. No, you can go there. <laughs> It's just a good secret spot if you want good deals for records. Go right. there. It's a good spot. Well, let's not tell anyone. About right. Yeah. Right. They had this record there, the only theater pain record, and I like turned it over, and there's like the dead cat. Yep, there's all this yep, yep. crazy <laughs> shit, <laughs> and it's awesome. It's like way just over the top, like goth. And then I saw that Rick Agnew's on it, and I was like, holy shit, really? Like, what is this? And I just bought it instantly, and just instantly fell in love with it. That's Rick holding the cat. It's so good. Yeah, it was amazing, dude. Amazing. I, dude, I totally, I totally listen to it all the time. When I, because um, that's the first one I got, and it's the first one I heard, and this is back in, I mean, I heard that record in, I think it was 1988, I think it was a sophomore in high school I heard that record, and then got a copy of it a year or so later, and then decided I was all in right. Christian death. And so right. I went to the store to get more Christian death, having no idea, no idea right. that Roz was only on those first three, and... So I picked up Sex and Drugs and Jesus Christ and Atrocities. Mm-hmm. Took a moment. I was like, this doesn't sound anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And then I slowly began to figure out their, their timeline. Right, um, right. And so then I got Catastrophe, Ballet, and, and Ashes. Right. And Ashes was then the next one that I was like, wow. See, this I is got a pretty into the, perfect yeah. record also. Right. Um, I got into those in the last probably like few years. I thought, I guess I always just thought for the longest time that he was just on that first record. And okay. I just so. like never really... I just never researched it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, like, I got... I probably, like, bought some weird Christian death CD that was, like, from 2000 or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> and was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. this is not anything like that. Yeah. yeah and yeah, then yeah. that's when I was like, oh, there's, like, this other... There's all these... Other, there's been all these lineup changes, yeah. you know, and all this shit. Then I researched it a lot more and uh, figured out that there was a few other records with Roz and I got those and I've been listening to those ones a lot more in the last few years. I got Roz's art book. It's pretty good. Yeah, I got that. that. Yeah. It's a pretty cool one. Yeah. Have you listened to Shadow Project at all? Uh-uh. That was a band that he was in um, the early 90s, the first few years. Oh, yeah. The 90s with uh, Eva O. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. From Super Heroines. Yeah, yeah, okay. Who, yeah, yeah, I actually have read about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had done... She, she was... On only theater of pain, maybe doing background vocals or mm-hmm. something. I um, mean, then he resurrected Christian Death, his version of Christian Death, right? In the right. also in the early '90s, and she was a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had this other band, Shadow Project, that did, I guess, three studio records. One of them was sort of acoustic, and then mm-hmm. a live record. But that those those first two studio records are worth checking out. Nice, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that. And then the thing he did uh, later on with uh, Jatan, Dream Home Heartache, is yeah, yeah. Is, great also mm-hmm. i do like that one yeah you, you, did you ever get to see him or was no yeah. i wish i could have i saw shadow project maybe four times back back i i think i saw him play maybe eight times in different different bands and just heartbreaking what happened but, totally yeah. well anyway um wanted to get that in there <laughs> yeah. so Hell yeah <laughs> um yeah listen, i fucking love it man. uh thanks for is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about i know you've got some shows coming up um, and which may or may not have happened before this is out, but yeah, just uh, Ailes is playing that show with Aranzi Pazuzu, yeah, Insect Arc. Pretty yes. excited about yeah. that. Very awesome. Um, both of those bands are 
really high on my uh, list of things that I like to listen to and yeah. feel really honored and very lucky to be able to play with them. Should be a pretty cool one. Amarok's playing Fister. a show in November with Fisters, which would be pretty cool. Great. We love those dudes. Yeah, me too. Pretty excited for that one. Always love when they come around. There's some jokers. Yes, they are. There'll be lots of jokes thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> They're great guys. Yeah, totally. Other than that, man, just trying to record these two new records and trying to figure out how to show people other music I'm making, I think. It's kind of like my plan for this next year. Okay. Try to like either put out some tapes just on my own or just put it out there a little more, my own stuff. Absolutely. Needs to be heard. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And hopefully you'll keep doing that too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think I'll stop doing that. (laughs) Keeps my brain regular. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Whatever it takes. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time with me today, Colby. Thank you, Andrew. Had a great time. Play 